Hello, my name is Brandon Boat, and you are listening to the Theater of Public Policy podcast. This episode comes from a live show we did on April 15th, 2019. We had two guests on the show, both Hennepin County Commissioners. Marianne Green is the commissioner representing District 3, which includes parts of southwest Minneapolis and St. Louis Park. Our other guest was Angela Conley, who is the commissioner that represents District 4, which represents most of Minneapolis east of Interstate 35W and part of Northeast. Our media sponsor for this season was MinPost, which provides reader-supported news and analysis. You can find out more information at MinPost.com. Thank you both so much for being here. So excited to have you. Uh, so we have all kinds of like issues and uh, and topics and things that we want to discuss. I was trying to ask people like, what should we ask you all like when you're on our show? And people had some very good like policy things. But actually, one of the most interesting things to just start was just why do we have counties? Mm. <laughs> That is a great question. I think we just needed to break states down more. Well, it's, I mean, it's, we have, like, states, and then we have, like, cities, and then here in Minnesota, we have the Metropolitan Council, and, like, what is it that counties do that's, like, this special well, in-between? You're like the adolescence of government. <laughs> it's true. I prefer to think of cities as the children of government. Okay. Um, so the way county the way county government kind of came to be was that cities realized that they were all kind of doing similar and overlapping work, and that it made sense to do it in a more regional level. So if you think of things like um, Hennepin County Medical Center, it used to be that Minneapolis had a hospital, and I think maybe other cities were thinking of developing a hospital, and so they developed the Hennepin County system. Or the libraries are a more recent example yeah. where there used to be cities that had different library systems, and now we have the Hennepin County library system. Uh, and, you know, so other, it's this sh- roads, roads or county roads tend to be the more regional roads versus mm. cities' roads are um, for more local traffic. So, I mean, uh, you just ran and won yes. uh, to become a county commissioner. I am curious. And you ran for that office for a while. You really oh, wanted oh, to be. Oh, oh, uh, oh. Why did you want to be a county commissioner because so bad? It's so lucrative. <laughs> it is so lucrative. I was in Newsweek. Um, you know, I worked for the county yeah. and state government for like 20 years. This was my life's work was to serve the public. And I came from this experience of accessing Hennepin County services myself. So standing in line, applying for all sorts of different programs. And I'm like, one day I'm going to work here and I'm going to change it. And, uh, you know, I spent 20 years. I dedicated my life to it. And then last year oh gosh, two years ago, um, it was kind of like, Angela, are you going to run yet? Are you going to run yet? And I was just like, I don't know. I just, I don't know if I can do it. And then it was just kind of like, I don't really have a choice anymore. This is the next uh, step in the journey and I got to do it. So I did it. And like I won. (laughs) And I won. Uh, That's good. That's a good answer. Uh, so uh, the the other question that I would get after that interesting question of like why do we have counties uh, was okay what do they do uh, sort of so what do you do uh, sort of and, and this is kind of relates in the sense of you mentioned a couple things libraries 
uh, hospital, a couple things on the sort of countywide level. But what are where are the other places that we should be think counties when we sort of interact with government? I guess. I mean, I think our kind of bread and butter function is human services. Like mm-hmm. that's we're the safety net for Hennepin County residents. That's that's the kind of heart and soul. I think of a lot mm-hmm. of county work is being the safety net. Yeah, you know, one of the biggest questions I heard knocking on several thousand doors last year was what in the world is a county commissioner and what do you do? So being a county employee at the time, working in health and human services was that, you know what, if you don't have enough food to eat, you're going to come to a county office. And if you're short on your rent and you really need some help, you're going to come to the Hennepin County offices. And so it was this piece that related to people, like it was just life circumstances can lead you to coming to Hennepin County to apply for assistance so that we can help you get back on your feet. It worked for me, and for a lot of people, that is what they, you know, I, it was the county jail. People didn't understand that, you know, garbage sometimes is burned at a Hennepin County facility, right? Like, yeah. when you take your garbage out, where does it go? I don't know. It just it just disappears. No, Hennepin County has a whole facility that uh, handles that. So it was really interesting to learn from people on the doors what they knew about the county and then talk a little yeah. bit more about this it. This is a piece I, I, we were kind of debating before the show. Uh, it does seem like a lot of folks maybe don't know what you all do. We, we're trying to figure out, is that frustrating because you wish everybody like knew what you all did and like just was like ooh I have my uh, Angela Conley like trading card like yes. this season and like I idolize my county commissioner or I was arguing the flip side of it oh no I think they love nobody knowing what they do because it's sort of like <laughs> oh yeah your county commissioner don't worry about it like we got yeah we got it handled. yeah don't pay any attention <laughs> oh you want to go uh, protest and do these different things oh the city that really they mm-hmm. need that drama and the legislature yeah and the legislature get them Go get them. <laughs> I don't know. Which is it? I think it's a really nice mixture of both. I mean, honestly, you know, I'm a big proponent of transparency in government and making sure yeah. that, you know, the people have eyes on us. On the other hand, the fact is that what we do is less rancorous mm. because we're sitting there kind of toiling away and it's not, it doesn't have the kind of sexiness of the mm-hmm. chest beating that you can do with the mm-hmm. legislature. Mm-hmm. And we're technically nonpartisan too, which mm-hmm. sounds like a technicality. You? Well, we kind of are, actually. Um, yeah. <laughs> and as it happens, the DFL's in the majority with us, so you know. Well, I was about to say, you, you, I mean, one of your commissioners literally ran for governor as the Republican this past year. Uh, yes. And yes. The, year, the, the four years before that. Well, I mean, yeah, I could, you know, I think true. we yeah. both could tell you, we could probably both take all seven of the commissioners and kind of map us out on a spectrum yeah. from left to right. Yeah. Um, Can we do that? But really we don't quick? caucus. Um, <laughs> like that's the big thing. We don't. The Democrats. The Democrats on the board don't caucus privately. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's kind of an at the legislature. There's this organism of the caucus that is has uh, just has pluses and minuses. Yeah. I want us to be like. I want board meetings to be broadcast on like the five o'clock news. Like we. There's a whole like thing that goes into county board meetings there's a guy in the corner that's holding up a sign that says live and like there's this whole intro and it's really cool this is and what like, you want th- i just really want it to be more like like people block off their lunch hours on a tuesday to come to a county board meeting i know i want them to add the hawaii five oh introduction they music to the little video they should and like i try to like you know it's, it's really formal i get that robert's rules um, so I joke because Marion and I sit next to each other and every now and then I'll just 
when we're voting on something, I, 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 I try to change it up. You've heard, I try to change it up to make it fun. And That's so, good. yeah. That's real constituency services. That's it. They want to see that. Angela, what I appreciate is that you don't experiment with nay. Yeah, no. <laughs> don't. Um, but when I do, nay. Okay, so you brought up uh, garbage. Garbage is a thing garbage the county does. Thing. Garbage and composting. And this yes. was a thing that you, uh, you, were, you both have worked on this, but you sent me a thing about that you have worked on composting to some degree. Uh, what, first of all, can you just sort of help us understand? So county does what, it, all of our garbage. This isn't garbage. These are precious. These but, are um, precious. but like but at some point, are these, these are not compostable. Not, not in the least. No, um, but... So all garbage, when we throw stuff away, goes to Hennepin County, the Herc, right? Downtown? Um, unless you recycle it. Or unless you recycle it. it. And if you recycle or compost it, then, you, then you're like, oh, and then it's not our problem. Um, I think it's our problem. I think we, we kind of partner with, you know, what? It's sort of our problem in as much as we tell cities what we want them to do or the, the kind of... Um, what the options that we want them to offer. So, for example, it used to be that um, well, we in Minneapolis have composting because the city decided to offer it, mm-hmm. but other cities in Hennepin County only offered it if, you know, if just like Minneapolis, if they chose to offer it. But the county recently has now said to cities, we want you to offer composting. This is, okay, so this is an interesting question. What is your relationship like with cities? Like, do mm. cities like you all? Or are cities like, you know what, Dad? Like, I'm, I'll recycle if I want to recycle, okay? You can't tell me what to do. We, we are, we're, we're Blaine. Get away from us. No, Blaine's an Anoka. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Exactly, thank yeah, God. So, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> I just, I'm a big believer in partnerships, but I, you know, have learned that throughout the years, I represent a district that is just Minneapolis. So I have one mayor, one council, and, you know, there hasn't always been this BFF situation going on between the city and yeah. Minneapolis, right? And, and the county. And so I came in like, well, let's partner. Let's, like, I have nine, eight maybe city council folks and and a whole mayor. Let's be partners. Let's talk about how we can collaborate. Let's be friends. Like, let's, what's going on? What you guys been working on? What you up to? Let me come on into your meetings. So it's. And what did they say? Some, they're like, who are you and what do you do again? But by the way, Angela, we have some money. But by the way, we need you to fund a thing. No, it's it's so far it's been like you know, they're nice. Some of them that I know, I if you know, I used to be a very loud activist for social justice issues and causes, and so I've been to my fair share of city council meetings with a sign. You know, I wasn't so that some of them recognize me already, but um, they've been pretty receptive. Yeah, I think the city, the city of Minneapolis in particular, is looking to have a closer relationship with Hennepin. Mm -hmm. You know, of course, Minneapolis is a huge chunk of Hennepin, and so as goes Minneapolis, so goes Hennepin. So Mm -hmm. we want to, we want to have a close relationship with the city. Mm -hmm. And and I have another city in my district. I also have St. Louis Park in my district. Which is your favorite? (laughs) (laughs) Let's ask the audience. Which should be my favorite? (laughs) You're in Minneapolis. Oh, wow. That's more split than I thought it would be. But So do you have, um, I don't know, uh, Actually, enforcement your, mechanisms? I'm going to answer your question. Yeah. 75% of the time, Minneapolis is my favorite, and 25% of the time, St. Louis Park is my favorite. 
We don't get booze very often. Um, but do you have enfor- are there ways to enforce things? Like if you were like, yeah, we do want all of Hennepin County to do organics recycling uh, or composting. Could you make that happen somehow? Yes. Mm. In that case, we are able to make that happen. Um, what we've... There's staff in the audience. I hope that they'll correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> but what notes. we've said to cities is, we, for example, in the composting question, we want you to offer composting of some sort and whether or not you do it like curbside pickup, like we have in Minneapolis, or people can bring composting to a central location, but we want you to offer it in some way. And also, we've done a couple things, and of course now I'm not exactly sure what, um, to, to try to get businesses to do more composting, because mm. specifically businesses are you know, generating much more trash than each of us as individuals, and so we need some of those bigger trash generators to participate. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, first, uh, uh, tough question of the night. Uh, the Herc, good or bad? Well, I, I'm a proponent of basically putting it out of business by getting everybody mm-hmm. to do their recycling and their composting. Mm. Phase it out. And we phase it out by reducing the amount of garbage that goes yeah. in there. Um, I went to tour the Herc. It was amazing. They have these claws that grab the garbage. It was like the little claws with the teddy bears. And I got to move like the joystick. I had a hard hat. It was really fun. You should have been there. The, we should say but, like, also, where like, all our garbage it goes. It goes, but you see like there was like cardboard in there and like other things that could be recycled. So really we have to tell people... You know, let's be more diligent about recycling. But I want to put it actually, out of business. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons that um, the county has done this thing where we're trying to get people and businesses to do more composting mm. was um, last year they did a uh, trash study where they picked apart the trash and figured out what what were the components Fine. of trash. Fine. And the biggest percentage of it was organic material that could be composted. Okay, so because uh, we should just uh, – I asked that question very abruptly to try and catch you off guard, uh, but – the uh, Herc we is downtown Minneapolis. We send our garbage there and we burn it, uh, right? And so that's the piece that some people find controversial because, like, yeah. And so we burn it and we do generate energy from that f- right. that f- heat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's fine. It's, it's very Minnesotan. Like it's fine. It's mm-hmm. it is what it is. And then, well, is that a question or? Is yeah, it- I'm asking. Or is it like a no? This is a, this is terrible. We should get rid of this we should we should phase it out i mean i think that's Mm -hmm. a good way to say it like on one hand we need it because what you know who are there communities in hennepin county that are willing to have the landfill that would be built or needed Mm -hmm. if the trash weren't going to the burner the answer is no Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but what we'd like to do is put it out of business by recycling Mm -hmm. and composting and i think one of the reasons i can't be using i'm sorry that's like the real thing reuse and recycle that's right the three r's um, one of the things that I was really concerned about was the air quality, especially mm-hmm. going into North Minneapolis and knowing that a lot of yeah. the people working in environmental justice there and was really impressed by what I saw at the HERC in terms of how they monitor what's in the plume that's going out and what the levels are. And they're really low compared to what the standards are across mm-hmm. the state in terms of what can be released and what can't be. Um, and then a lot of folks were, well, Angela, if you don't want to burn garbage, do you want to bury garbage? no. It's not either or. And, fun fact, I learned that the ash from the Herc is also buried. Yeah, so we still end up burying stuff. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it's it's much smaller, but it's a lot more toxic because it's, you know, everything, all the badness reduced down to this little small packet of ash. I feel like you're describing me. Uh, So, (laughs) uh, 
So let's move on. Um, Shane, that is so... Uh, so, bike lanes. Uh, or no, bicycle. Uh, making bicycling and walking. This, was a, this is a big uh, thing that you all are pushing. Because uh, another piece that's complicated is that we have... City and county roads, like, intersperse oh, everywhere, gosh. right? Yeah, so you're driving on one road, it's a city road, and then you take a right, and now you're on a county road, but you don't know that. Is Lake Street a county road here? Yes. I, we were tra- it is a county road. <laughs> I'm whispering that, yes. 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 So, yeah, there's a, I feel like that represents one of the central tensions between us and the cities, especially, mm-hmm. I think, for us, because we represent chunks of Minneapolis, yeah. where... You know, the city is getting denser, more and more people are biking, and the big, fast roads that are dangerous for pedestrians and bikers are county roads. Yeah. So how do we, is that something you change? Is it something that you... It's something that I think both of us are really advocating for, is working with our public works department to figure out how can, when roads come into the city, can we slow them down? Mm -hmm. What are kind of the newer ways of managing traffic or lane configuration Mm -hmm. to make it so that the roads work for everybody? Yeah, road design is huge. It's how are we looking at how roads are designed anyway. A lot of them were designed how many bajillion years ago, and so we really need to upgrade and think about how our communities are changing and make them safe for everyone. You, but you said, like, advocating for this, but aren't you in charge? Can't you just make it happen? Well, we are in charge, but there are seven of us. So everything has to happen with, you know, hopefully more than four votes. Who's against safe roads? Just uh, if you don't... <laughs> well, in, rather than putting it that way, there's some people who are, like, pro-car or pro-commuters pro, pro, um, pro getting to their jobs. Are we, you know, are we against jobs? It's like it's, like, it's either this or it's that. And there's no, like compromise so i just sprinkled fairy dust mm. over when we're talking about public work stuff on our agenda i just sprinkle dust and hope that hope it that works, works out yeah so this brings me to another piece i wanted to ask about um you, you obviously have made history in a way that everybody realizes which is that you are a renter yes. on the uh, Huntington county commission oh my gosh, yes. does that talk to me about like does that is that weird like is everyone else like oh i'm gonna go home to the thing that i own um <laughs> that yeah, property tax yeah. yeah, I'm like property taxes. What are you guys talking about? What is that? What my landlord's. Gonna... What are these things? Yeah, I just filed my CRP to get my renter's rebate that they don't call renter's rebate anymore. But I'm getting it. But I feel like yeah. this is actually like a substantive thing because the majority of Minneapolis, at least, are renters, it, and it, yet you're one of the first ones ever on the board. Ever, and it's and it's huge. And so that we have this like this, these district profiles that they give us, and 51 percent of the people that live in my district are renters. Did you say 51? 51 percent. I'm surprised it's not more. I, right. Yeah. So yeah. So it's it's huge, and I want um, people especially our county, to understand that renters need protections, renters need rights, and and have them, and we need to uplift them. But also, like, we've got so much new development going up that are rentals that aren't accessible to everybody. And for someone who's been through trying to find rent that's affordable, you can't find it right now. Um, and so that's something that I've been trying to really highlight just because lived experience is important when we're having these affordable housing discussions. So where is, going back to what is it that the county does, where is it that the county has like levers or buttons to push or things to change mm. to help address some of that kind of things? What is it that you can do? Mm. Um, well, one thing that we do, and I know there's some experts in the audience on this matter, <laughs> uh, is help fund projects that are going to be affordable, mm-hmm. that are that kind of commit to a certain percent of affordability. 
So that's something that we do specifically on affordability. Mm -hmm. um, there are things like that I know both of us are really passionate about right now, um, ways to make it easier for people who are in a, rent in a crisis, in a um, financial crisis, who are renting to access emergency assistance for rent. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I got some applause. No, yeah. seriously, for <laughs> exactly. real. Exactly. Uh, yeah, and and two, like we're, I'm starting to have the discussion about low barrier housing. Like, you know, if my credit score is not 850, should I not get this apartment? I don't know. Maybe I should. So thinking about di different ways that people can actually access the housing that's out there. But you're right. Like, I'll, I, I'll be one to call out in a board meeting that this is a great affordable housing project. It's also 80% of the AMI and to like 90% of the people who are living in Minneapolis, it's not affordable. So let's think about how many units we're putting up that people actually have access to. And then I pull that level and the AMI magically decreases down to like 30. Well, and that you've just touched on something else that I'm, I actually spoke from this stage on um, probably about a year ago, which is financial inclusion. Mm -hmm. And what are ways that the county can play a role in helping people um, credit ratings are so important for accessing so much. And until we change that system, which I know people are working on at the federal level, what can we as a county do to help people overcome the barrier that a low uh, credit rating is, for Follow-up question. What can you as a county do to help people overcome this barrier? <laughs> that... um, well, uh, so studies show that the county comes in contact with about, I think, 70% of people who wrestle with, like, people who don't have a bank account or a checking account, people who have mm. to cash a check at a at a window as opposed to depositing mm. it. Uh, and the things that we can do are talking, engage with people, like essentially mm. meet people where they're at and figure out how can we help them, not just with the, the dollars and cents of, of social services, but mm. maybe with a bank account. And something that we're working on with the city of Minneapolis, speaking of partnerships, is um, the possibility of setting up children's savings accounts so that uh, every child in Minneapolis has a bank account open for them at birth, uh, and then community partners can help with um, tuition money that goes into that. Um, there are rewards for saving money, and it also changes the aspirations for that child. And studies show, by the way, that that kind of um, infrastructure helps any child with aspirations. So it's, I, I don't want to make it sound like something that's um, not something that also helps middle-class children. Like, it helps every child raise their vision of what it is that they want to do with their lives and what their future might be. Okay, uh, we have, I have one last thing I want to get to, and I should say in the second half of the show, we open up for you all to ask questions of our guests, but we have, I feel like probably if people do know um, Hennepin County, they might know services, uh, the, the human services that you offer, but a lot of people might know just transportation, right? Like in uh, transportation <sighs> questions, uh, if, if they are going to show up and protest you, I'll probably over a light rail. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, can you just say what is like the county role in transportation? And that's and, and do you mean transit? Transit, yeah, yeah. transit specifically. So, do I, begin? Take a deep I just got have. here. I don't. <laughs> How long can you keep doing that? Yeah. Unfortunately, I can't answer this question. <laughs> so. 
the county historically has been, or I should say regional government in Minnesota generally, has been the layer of government that would kind of tee up a project and then the Met Council would take that project once we had partnered with communities to figure out what communities wanted. And the Met Council would take it and would work with the state to get some state funding and they would build a project. What's happened is that the state basically isn't anteing up its share of money and isn't giving the Met Council its share of money to give to these projects. And so Hennepin County, because it's committed to transit, has had to step in and kind of fill the breach financially. So in a, in a recent project that will remain unnamed, uh, Hennepin County is paying about 49% of that project, and the federal government is going to pay 50%. And I think 1% came from the state, you know, about five years 1% ago. 1% came from that guy down the street yeah. who just was like, I really want to stop here. Um, exactly. So the county, I will say, you know, transit has been a big conversation, or, and transportation funding in general has been a big conversation at the legislature this mm-hmm. session. And the county is really interested in what happens with oh that my conversation. Gosh. Yeah, so I'm going to use this opportunity to plug the D-Line, which is Bus Rapid Transit along Chicago Avenue. Yes, yes, because... Yeah, bus Rapid Transit, can you just give us a... Oh my gosh. So it's, it's um, they're buses, but they're... Oh, I know buses. They have like, like capes and wings. They're like really, really super dope. They have lasers. They're awesome. Wow, that's so, terrifying. No, it's, it's, <laughs> so bus rapid transit are really faster buses. They're cleaner buses. They have the ability to like, you know, control signals to get people faster, you know, where they need to be faster. They're more hop cushy. On, hop on, hop off. Hop fewer, off. They have fewer stops. Fewer right? stops. And the, do they all have dedicated lanes or, I don't know, if not, does? Not all of them, okay. but we're going to try to get we're, them for We're going to work D-line. on that. Yeah. And so this, so the A-line was up and down Snelling largely in St. Paul, but uh, we are starting to see more mm-hmm. uh, like bus rapid transit. So D-line yeah. would be Chicago. Yeah, which is the highest. It would replace then, the five. Well, not totally replace it, but the, but the number five bus, highest ridership route in the state, wow. right? It crosses four commissioner districts. And we can actually close the gap with what's in the governor's bonding bill this year. We'll wow, get that passed. So. Yeah. Were you going to jump in on Oh, I was just going to say, it comes up Chicago, then goes through downtown, and then goes through North Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. So it really, and also, you know, goes down into Richfield, I yep. think, and up Bloomington. into, you know, so it really serves suburbs through Minneapolis and so the, down I mean, suburbs. this is the last piece, and I, again, I know there's a lot more we could talk about this. I hope some folks ask some questions, but you mentioned, you know, there's the governor's bonding bill. You're very interested in what the transportation bill looks like, yeah. you know. I, I, it's possible that none of that happens, and then and then what do what what do we do? Well, I think we'll do what we've been doing already, which is limping along. Yeah. As a state. Yeah, and, and but do, can the count? Because the county took back some power to like. I don't want to get. I, I we could go into a whole CTIB conversation, mm. but I'm worried that I'm losing the audience already. <laughs> uh, so I mean. Because this is part of what you were talking about. Like, the county took some authority to start taxing itself differently mm-hmm. to fund yeah. transit, mm-hmm. right? So Yeah, so the kind of CTIB summary is yeah. that, like, maybe 11 or 12 years ago, the, the counties that are Minneapolis and St. Paul and the suburbs got together and said, okay, um, the we're going to lobby together. We, they essentially together got the ability to tax themselves and raise money for transit. And then as a family, all the counties invested in projects 
like like bus mm-hmm. rapid transit and so on mm-hmm. that would that served multiple counties because it goes so far right. south and so far north. Um, unfortunately, the pendulum swung to the right in a couple of the member counties, and they wanted out. So basically, this association, which was called CTIB, dissolved. I like how it was a family before, and now that it's breaking up, it's just an association. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Distant cousins. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, what is it? Shirt tail relatives. Yeah. Um, so, so the counties, the, the association split up, and the counties then had the ability to tax themselves at a different rate that was enabled by the original legislation. It's just a detail. But essentially, Hennepin County then voted to say, okay, well, if we're not going to tax ourselves as a big family, we're going to tax ourselves individually, and it's going to support transit. And we've been pretty good. I mean, it's brand new, really, mm. for the last year, but we are, I would say, philosophical committed to spending that money on transit and a fraction of the money on on roads like in our hearts and minds that's really money for transit I will personally build the buses needed for the D-line myself (laughs) if the bonding bill is not passed Wow, I am so glad we record this. So uh, wait a second. Wait, I, I just I do want to kind of get it on record that what we are not as a county going to do is fill in for the state. Um, the state really does need to step up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I hope Paul Gazelka listens to our podcast. So uh, on that note, uh, can we we are going to bring our guest back in the second half of the show? But for now, please a tremendous round of applause, Commissioner Angela Conley Mary. If you have a question... Oh, look it. Somebody's already waving at me. But I have to do the announcement first anyway. So if you have a question, raise your hand. I will come towards you in a non-threatening manner uh, with the microphone. And I will give you a sticker for the question. Assuming it's a question. All right. This... I was being waved down before I even finished my expo. Here we go. I have a question concerning uh, the Southwest Transit... Uh, there's been discussion recently about chopping trees down in the mm. Kellenworth Corridor in anticipation that this project will be built. And there has been some pushback, I understand, from people who say, don't chop trees down until the money's there to actually do it. What's the current status of that? Yeah. Ooh, do we have, I, I watched the, the groundbreaking for Southwest Light Rail was live-streamed and I was there at 1 o'clock in the afternoon watching it because I'm unemployed, basically. So, um, uh, but the, is, is the money there for Southwest Light Rail? So um, the money, the full funding grant agreement is not in place. That's the 50% coming from the federal government. Um, and it's not in place, but it's, that's pretty typical for a project like this. Um, and as I think, I keep referring back to the green line, the line that goes between Minneapolis and St. Paul, um, that... Many stages of construction happened and things called letters of no prejudice were obtained before the money finally came in from the feds. So, I'm just trying to figure out where, what is, where are, so where are we then? So the status of the project is that it's been, uh, that ground has been broken uh, and that the project is getting underway and in order to kind of, uh, make sure that the project doesn't spend money at risk because we do want to make sure that we don't get too far ahead of things without finding out that we're not going to get the federal dollars. 
the project, um, it, and when I say the project, I'm referring to the Met Council. The Met Council gets these uh, things called letters of no prejudice, which basically means uh, it's like a letter from the federal government saying, we, we see you, we're, we're getting to you, but we are not, we're not putting the money in your bank account yet. It's kind of like, um, like maybe like a parent telling a child, we're going to pay for your college tuition, but we're, not, but we're kind of pulling together the dollars you know, in anticipation of putting it in your bank account. I don't know, I'm trying to come up with some mm -hmm. analogy to convey this weird delay. Mm -hmm. um, but, it's, but it's kind of how it works. So the feds, they don't put up the money right up front. They wait until they've issued a full funding grant agreement. So to this question, will you chop down any trees until you have all of the money? So probably yes. And I do want to say that when you say, will you chop down any trees, it's not Hennepin County chopping down the trees. I don't it have an axe. The, <laughs> thank you. How are you going to build a D-line without an axe? Uh, we, don't, we don't need axes on Chicago Avenue. <laughs> it's already there. So, uh, well, I would say come back to the – we are having a Met Council chair – Nora Slavic on yeah, this Nora. show. Uh, so come back for that show, and we can just tear her apart on this. <laughs> so, um, all right. Uh, I shouldn't say that. She, she's going to have a great time. All right. Other questions other people have? Yes, right here. And then I will come up over there. Yes. I have a really just factual question. The compost, where does it go? And I ask because I have been trying to convert a friend to composting, and she put that question to me, and I said, well, I think I remember once hearing that I'll be getting something back. I mean, what, what, tell me about the compost. Tell us the story of compost. <laughs> if you don't know the answer, I know that there's somebody in the audience who does, but you go ahead. Where? Who? Um, so it does go somewhere. <laughs> I believe that there's a few... <laughs> does go somewhere. It um, doesn't just vanish. The reason, I know that sounds funny, but I was asked by a constituent, you know, we all hear these rumors of like, um, for example, recycling. Like, I recycle glass, but I've heard that it's all going in a big deposit in the, mm. in the landfill. Um, and, I've, and essentially, there's kind of state law that governs this world of stuff that means that that compost that's being, sub that's being you know, submitted for compost, the, the organics that are being submitted for compost, are composted, and they're composted in a facility, and I don't know where it is, honestly. Rosemount. Thank you. Thank is that you. where the animal yeah. Did you know that somebody knew? Oh, really? I did. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, it goes. I don't believe at this point. I'll just. I. I don't want to answer for you, but I believe that that is a system that they are working on. But we are not at a point yet where comp like that soil comes back. They should, they should just build a compost bin in their backyard. That's, yeah. yeah. Um, where can I make my first contribution to Tain for county commissioner? Oh, you can't. <laughs> Who would I run? I would run against one of the two of you, I believe. So, uh, <laughs> I, I'm okay. I'm good. Okay. Uh, this is so council. lucrative. <laughs> um, all right. Yes. There was a hand up there. I'm going to go that way. I have a sticker. Hey, so I live in the Corcoran neighborhood, and hey. there are uh, a number of rental units that are going to be having about 40 families. That's 60 to 70 members or family members being evicted. 
And I'm wondering what the county's doing to help stop that. It sounds like the eviction notice has been given to the families. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Steve Are you friends? talking about the Friends properties? Yeah. They just had a black party on Saturday. Yep. And what they're trying to do is buy those properties and make it a co-op. So I stand in full solidarity as a renter, right, with the organization, with, with tenants organizing around what they know is best for their needs. So I'm just a huge supporter. I'm going to be a big advocate for that. I don't know what entirely the county's role can be, but as commissioner, I supported and stand in solidarity with them. And I just remember last year they had events all summer right in front of those buildings. And is it 21st Avenue um, around there? Yeah, right there, Um, where they were out in the street having black parties, educating people, feeding folks, and and letting them know that this is something that they want to do. I think it's empowering for the residents um, in those properties to be able to do this. I lived in a co-op on 34th in Chicago. There's some townhomes, and they were all part of a co-op, so we shared ownership, and I want to actually see more of that. You mentioned in the first half of the show about trying to... Uh, promote renters' rights and mm-hmm. that there actually are some things already on the books around that and maybe yeah. there's more enforced laws. So can maybe you say a little bit more about what that relationship is or the renters' rights piece? Well, I think it's education. I have a lot of folks who just don't know what their rights are. Like, they're afraid to report things to the landlord because they fear, like, there may be retribution. And so, they're, you know, they're afraid of, of, of some sort of uh, bringing them in to do repairs and then all of a sudden, I don't know, I'm going to get in trouble. I might get kicked out or my rent might go up. I don't know. So there's a lot of folks that just need to know what their rights are and that they have a right to live in humane conditions. Um, so it's advocacy and it's education too. Cool. I actually, um, so one of the things, Tane, that you brought up earlier that may relate, and may, mm-hmm. I'm brainstorming a little bit on behalf of those tenants who might organize to um, mm-hmm. form a co-op. Mm-hmm. But the county set aside some money, some seed funding, where and other jurisdictions joined. And I think now it's a $25 million fund. And the idea is to help buyers who want to buy property like that that might be changing hands um, and help buy, be the deep pockets for buyers who commit to keeping that housing affordable. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if the co-op, if a co-op organization forms, they might be eligible for some of that money. Uh, and it's a revolving fund because it's essentially providing a loan at an advantageous rate, I believe. Mm. And so it also has the kind of beauty of m- the money goes back into the account and then works for somebody else the next time around. So mm-hmm. something to check out. Who else has a question? Yeah, I'm just wondering, um, do either of you have a position on uh, light rail or streetcar transit in the Midtown Greenway? Um, Mm. Because I've heard people talking about that, and I'm just curious if there's any work in that direction. Last I heard about it, they tested a streetcar in the Greenway, but I haven't heard that there's actually going to be one. Would you want one? There is I don't know. <laughs> the one that I saw tested was like driverless. That's frightening. Mm, that was yeah. <laughs> that is was that a, something a different? different thing. Okay. That was Scary. a that was a kind of cool demonstration of a driverless of driverless vehicles. And yeah. the Greenway was a place that could be kind of penned off without yeah. you know running over anybody. <laughs> yeah. Do you all have uh, opinions generally on like streetcars, good or bad? We've already figured out you like bus rapid transit. Mm-hmm. That's positive. Seems like um, uh, light rail. Where we well, let's just not talk about it. Uh, so then, uh, streetcars. How do you feel about streetcars? 
I find the concept really interesting and I'm all for like public transit of all kinds. Like we are a multimodal society. So let's be creative in how we get people back and forth. Yeah, and I guess I would say kind of what what serves that line, whichever line we're talking about mm-hmm. best, yeah. is some, and what do community members want would mm-hmm. be kind of questions I'd want to ask. Yeah. I don't know enough to kind of say, well, I'm pro-streetcar over anything else mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. or not. Okay. Um, okay. But I will say that studies have been done that show that if we really want transit to serve transit-dependent communities and communities of color, Lake Street or the Greenway would be the place to put the next line. Mm-hmm. And that was, in a way, some of why CTIB, that family that became an association, dissolved, was that the, the logical lines to build always ended up being in Hennepin County. And so the other counties were like, okay, we're tired of this. Um, but that's the way to serve our region because Minneapolis and Hennepin County are kind of the economic heartbeat of the state and Ramsey. <laughs> All right, I have time for maybe one last question. If there's anybody with one last... Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, uh, yeah, okay, I'll go. You, you said you go. As an employee, I see a lot of situations where we spend a lot of money through FTE time mm. only to save... Um, or, I'm sorry, we spend a lot of money with FTEs to only s- s- to spend less on line budget items if that makes sense. So people will spend hours and hours and hours of labor that's already built into the budget to save $20. And so overall, we're really spending money to not really save money. I'm wondering if you guys are um, receptive to the idea of trying to bring some of these to the light so we can you know, really mm-hmm. save money. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I guess All right. I'll just say, kind of, as a blanket statement, that one thing I want to acknowledge as a commissioner is that it's it's really hard for us to know what's really happening, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I'm always very interested if um, constituents or employees want to come to my office and visit with me or meet for coffee outside the office if that's more comfortable. Like any way that I can learn, kind of what's what's happening in the building, what's happening in the organization, mm-hmm. and hear ideas. I, I don't know specifically what you're describing, but I'd love to learn more. I mean, you said, so, like, I, yeah. I was a county employee for, like, a very long time. So I came, I literally came from a position, resigned, to do what I'm doing right now. So I hear you. And in health and human services, we are under a hiring freeze because those personnel costs got high. So I know exactly what you're talking about. So we are in budget season right now. I didn't know that it takes 11, what, 10 months to build a county budget. I'm just learning that now. So we're starting to have those conversations about personnel costs, about you know whether or not certain positions can be filled. And I'm really, really interested in that because I was on the other side for so long. So this is a, that's a great segue into sort of a, a wrap-up question, which is uh, you're going into that process now of a, a budget. And this is where like a lot of these like sticky, thorny things get mm. sorted out. What are you going to do? And so... Uh, maybe to preview, like, where are the pieces that you're like, uh, we're still trying to figure this out and we need to, like, hear from people. Do they want, because it's, you know, budgets are priorities. Do they want X or do they want Y? Like, where are those things that you're now trying to figure out how to weigh one versus the other? I'm talking about unsheltered homelessness funding 
every day, all day, because we are seeing the largest numbers of people experiencing homelessness since we started counting 30 years ago. We are in a crisis. And I, we, I add, we added unsheltered homelessness to our federal legislative platform. And we went to Washington to say, listen, feds, we need money for this in Hennepin County. We got nothing. There was nothing in the state budget that was specifically targeted towards unsheltered homelessness. So I want to find where are the ways that we're spending money in health and human services that could be used in partnership with maybe the city or in partnership with ourselves to say, we need to expand our capacity and we need to do it now because we have people that sleep on our trains. We have people that are going to sleep outside right now. Shelters are full and they're at capacity and we have to do something. And that means a, a bold budget move. I'd say I totally agree with Commissioner Conley. There are right now these like themes are emerging, mm-hmm. and one of them is homelessness and housing, housing stability, kind of this bucket of I- items that's around getting people into housing and keeping people mm-hmm. who are in housing in housing affordably. Um, and another bucket is uh, safety, public safety mm-hmm. and justice reform, and helping mm-hmm. make sure that we don't have as many people as we have kind of getting sucked into the system. And I would identify specifically African American men. Mm-hmm. Who, where it's it, it's a you know we can kind of I think emotionally on a kind of morality mm-hmm. level it's wrong, um, but on an economic level it's also wrong. And those are those are ways that the county exactly is like paying you know paying in human services mm-hmm. when we really could save money if we did things smarter up front. Yeah, yeah. One like little micro way in which we are getting ahead of things on this is. In uh, in housing court, we've funded a lawyer to help people in eviction cases mm-hmm. because many renters who are in eviction cases are being wrongfully evicted. And so if a county-funded lawyer can help represent somebody who needs representation and keep them in their housing in a wrongful eviction case, then that person doesn't come to the county or need the county services elsewhere, like in, in shelter funding or other issues. And also, you know, by the way, the kids who are in that family stay in school, Mm -hmm. And there are just Mm -hmm. many other kind of tentacles of positivity that come out of keeping people in housing. I. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, a big round of applause for our two fabulous guests. Thank you for listening. This show was recorded live at the Bryant Lake Bowl in Minneapolis. If you'd like to attend one of our live shows or are interested in working with us on an issue you're passionate about, you can find out more information on our website at www.t2p2.net and on Facebook and Twitter. Also, if you enjoyed the show, please tell a friend about it. Thanks.